Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. Well, as I'm speaking to you now, it's the third week of Advent, the season of waiting and watching for the joyous coming of Jesus Christ into the world. But even, and sometimes especially at Christmas, life can often seem enveloped in discouragement rather than joy. That's why it's such good news that Jesus himself reminds us to go and tell what you see. That's the message for today. It's part of our current Advent Christmas sermon series that we're calling Proclamations. And it's based on Isaiah chapter 35 verses 1 to 10 and Matthew 11 verses 2 to 10. In her book of essays entitled Unexpected Answers, Barbara Bartocci tells the story of how she tried to find the perfect greeting card for her new husband on the occasion of their very first Christmas together. The only problem, she wrote, is that there simply did not seem to be any cards at the store that even came close to expressing all of what was in her heart for this wonderful man in her life. Finally, however, after several days of searching, there was one card that caught her eye. A beautiful holiday scene pictured on the front and a verse that read, Sweetheart, you're the answer to my prayers. Last, she thought, this is the one. But upon opening the card, her heart fell. Because printed on the inside were the words, Well, you're not what I prayed for exactly. (laughs) But apparently you are the answer. (laughs) Merry Christmas. And so much for the perfect Hallmark moment. Actually, that story does serve as a rather apt parable, don't you think? Regarding the ways a whole lot of people approach this particular season of the year. (coughs) I mean, you can see it playing out all around us about now. People who are driving themselves to distraction, debt, and utter exhaustion all in the effort to create what we might call the perfect Christmas. You know, immersing themselves in the, in the total Norman Rockwell slash Courier and Ives slash Bing Crosby slash Rudolph and Frosty kind of holiday that uh, I dare say lingers both in our collective memory and in our imagination. And... Might I add, this is to say nothing of a shared effort, I think, to somehow compensate for all the, shall we say, difficulties we faced in 2020 and 2021. Only to have that supreme effort fall somewhat short of the mark and be left disappointed, maybe even disillusioned with the whole thing. For far too many of us, friends, The holiday season ends not with songs of old Lang Syne, but rather with the anguished promise that next year it's going to be different. And honestly, 
Much the same thing can be said about the other things that we hope for in this holiday season. Things like peace on earth and goodwill amongst the people. Things like an end to violence and poverty. Things like families and friends who are united in harmony and with love. Even those of us who, as people of faith, understand that these are promises of God that will come to pass in due season. We can't help at times but be shaken by the sheer level of darkness and despair that has seemed to permeate the news these days, but also just has a way of just taking a hold of our hearts and lives and not letting go. Now, don't misunderstand me here. I, I don't wish to dwell in the negative, especially at Christmas time. And heaven truly knows that as the church, we are the people who seek to actively live out the reality of God's promises in the world. That's what it means when we say we're Advent people. But admittedly, it's also true that given the way the, the world goes, the whole effort ends up sometimes making us feel discouraged and more than a little bit tired, sick and tired, really. And we're struggling with what Isaiah refers to in our text for this morning as weak hands and feeble knees. What we're talking about here, you see, is doubt. And not merely doubt in an intellectual sense, but doubt that is emotional, doubt that's spiritual, doubt that's, that's born out of a sense of hopelessness and despair and can erupt in anger and bitterness. Doubt that can blind the eyes to what God is doing in the world. It's what weakens us from being able to truly live out of God's promises. And it's a spiritual condition, friends, one that as Advent people, that is the people who are to be preparing the way of the Lord, something that we really need to address as Advent rolls on and we draw near to the manger of Bethlehem. <laughs> and interestingly enough, it's something that brings us back to John the Baptist. You remember John the Baptist. We talked about John the Baptist last week. The guy with the camel hair coat and with locust wings in his teeth. The one with the blunt words about repentance. The one who says to get ready for the one who would baptize them all in the Holy Spirit. Well, as we pick up the story today, it would seem that for all his fiery speech, for the fact that he lived his life devoted to preparing the way for a Messiah at the end of his life, even John the Baptist had begun to doubt. And there were reasons. First of all, as it was turning out, the Messiah he'd been preparing for and whose coming he had proclaimed turned out to be nothing like he or anyone else, for that matter, had expected. Secondly, the glorious life that was anticipated in the Messiah's coming had thus far turned out to be more of the same, only worse. 
And for all his trouble, and for a variety of reasons, John ended up rotting in Herod's jail cell for all of his trouble. So it's understandable then. As we heard Kay read in the Gospel text for this morning, that he would send his disciples to go and ask a simple, pointed question. Jesus of Nazareth, he asks, are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? The funny thing is, though, that when John's disciples find Jesus to ask him this question, Jesus, as it turns out, really is too busy to answer them. Too busy touching the misshapen legs of a man who couldn't walk. Too busy speaking intelligibly to a little girl who wasn't able to hear. Too busy bringing hope to hearts that had been worn numb by grinding poverty and utter hopelessness. And when he finally does stop for a moment, Jesus Asks, turns towards the questioning crowd and asks, what were you expecting anyway? What kind of Messiah are you looking for? Are you looking for some powerful ruler with soft, beautiful robes, lounging on a golden throne? And it's in the midst of this that Jesus says something that, while in all truthfulness is not exactly a proclamation per se, nonetheless is a word of assurance for John in that jail cell, and for that matter, for any of the rest of us who have ever found ourselves wondering if all these promises are in fact real. Go and tell what you hear and see, says Jesus. The blind receive their sight. The, the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have good news brought to them. This is your hope being put into action. This is the promise. And it's being made real as you are here to witness. And then Jesus says something that kind of loses uh, something in its translation English. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Now, while that translation is accurate, if you go back to the original Greek, and before that, the ancient Aramaic text, you'll find that what Jesus is actually saying to this man who baptized him so many months before and, and who yet had become to feel disappointed and as though his faith had been for naught. What he actually said was, happy are those who do not lose heart because of me. Now, as you ponder on that, think back for a moment to Isaiah and the passage that Kay read there. That wonderful vision of a barren desert wasteland that has become a flowering pasture with cool, clear water flowing in abundant supply. We're told in that passage that there's a highway through this desert, a holy way for God's people in which no traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. 
That's saying something. And it's on this very road that the people who were once in exile, the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing and that everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. For there will no longer be any danger nor threat of life. Yes, here the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The lame will jump for joy, and those who are without voices are going to sing out for all that they are worth. Well, this, dear friends, is who Jesus is. Our holy way is the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, who restores our wholeness and sets before us a clear pathway in the midst of our world's harsh and relentless desert wilderness. But John the Baptist, for all his vision and, might I add, his conviction, could not see this. He couldn't recognize it for what it is. And, and if John the Baptist couldn't recognize it, how easy it is for us to miss it as well. Those who live there will tell you that the thing about the desert is that oftentimes its look can be deceiving. At first glance, it may well seem barren and lifeless. But then you keep looking, perhaps after a rainstorm, maybe in the cool of the evening. And those who live there will tell you that after such a time, everything which before was hidden suddenly begins to bloom. And that which seemed dead and lifeless flourishes. And where there was no hope at all, now is covered with joy and gladness. That's how God's love works. And that's how God's love works in our lives. And that's how doubt dissipates, even in times such as these. This is how doubt dissipates and how true Christmas comes into our lives just like the abundant blossoming of a desert in our lives. And it's amazing, friends, just how many incredible ways and in how many settings that can happen. Let me tell you of one such instance. A few years back, I had a monthly gig, as they say, singing and playing guitar at a nearby assisted living facility. This was at a prior church, and I had been doing this for, oh, actually several years every month. And while I was there, I encountered a woman who, to put it gently, did not like my singing at all. In fact, confined to a wheelchair, this woman would purposely and intentionally and determinedly wheel herself into the day room where we were all gathered and come right up and knock my music off the stand onto the floor. Absolutely true. And every time she'd do it, she'd say the same thing. All right, that's enough. You can go home now. We've heard enough of this. Now, friends, I, I learned a long time ago 
that most of the time in these situations, you just smile and you keep on going. So, you know, no matter what, I just keep singing my song. But friends, this woman was not about to give up. And she just kept saying over and over again in what was a sharp and shrill voice, shut up. You just shut up. Now the other residents would get very upset at this and the nurse would inevitably come and wheel this woman out of the room and tell her that she couldn't stay if she was going to be disrupted. But 10 minutes later, She'd be back, wheeling right up to me, knocking the music over again, and saying again and again, shut up. You just shut up. Now understand, friends, this didn't just happen once. But over a course of a year or so, every single time I go to sing at that nursing home, it was the same deal. I don't know if it was my voice she didn't like, I don't know if she didn't like guitar or if it was just me in general, but I will tell you the truth, and Sarah will remember this. It got to the point where my kids would hear that I'd gone to the nursing home that day, and they would ask me if the shut-up lady was there. <laughs> well, come Christmas time, I was there again, singing carols, singing songs of the season. And sure enough, after a few minutes, here comes the shut-up lady. And I'm thinking, oh, here we go. But this time, as I'm singing, she just stops there in front of me, and she begins to sing along with me. And she does so beautifully. Turns out she has this... and. Incredible soprano voice, and she is singing with the words of this Christmas carol in clear and dulcet tones, with all due sincerity and emotion, and, and, and unaltered by the effects of older age. And, and friends, not just the first few lines of the song either, but the obscure verses that nobody remembers, and yet she seemed to know them by heart. Eventually, I just stopped singing altogether. And I just sat there and strummed the guitar as she sang from her heart and soul to all of us who were gathered in that room. Believe me when I tell you, it was a holy moment, one that I have never forgotten. And then she was done. The room was silent, and she just heaved this little sigh. And there's this other woman sitting next to her. And she reaches her hand over to gently pat the arm of this woman who's just sung. And, and she says in a way that only an elderly lady from Maine can say it, that was beautiful, dear. <laughs> and to this she replies, shut up! <laughs> Granted, it was a moment short-lived. But make no mistake, in that moment, the desert bloomed. I know it did. Because I remember to this very day what she sang to us. And it's since become my favorite verse of the song. And yea, beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, 
who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow. Look now, for glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing. Oh, rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. To hear the angels sing. Even in the midst of seeming hopelessness, even being weighed down with life's greatest pain, its harshest indignities, this woman could still look for glad and golden hours and rest beside life's weary road. To hear the angels sing and know the peace that only the Lord can give. In that brief, powerful moment of singing, God had gotten through. The desert had gloriously bloomed. And Christmas, true Christmas, had come. Go and tell what you hear and what you see. That's what Jesus himself has proclaimed. And that is our calling, yours and mine. To go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. That God comes in glory and with love. Even amidst the deep darkness of a midnight clear, the light of the world still comes with angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. So let us not lose heart, beloved, even in times such as these, even in the midst of uncertainty, even in the midst of our own heart's struggles. But let us look with faithful and attentive hearts to see and hear what the Lord is doing even now. Because in doing so, we might just discover even more than we could possibly dream. Thanks be to God who indeed brings us joy and gladness in Jesus our Emmanuel. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, Go and Tell What You See, part of our current Advent and Christmas sermon series that we're calling Proclamations. It was recorded during our December the 12th service of worship at East Congregational Church in Concord, New Hampshire. By the way, all through this holiday season, we'd like to invite you to one of our live in-person services of worship. They happen every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road in Concord. Or else you can join us live online via Facebook Live on our East Congregational Church Facebook page. However it happens for you, we'd love it if you could share a part of this blessed season with us. And with that, we come to the close of this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and I do thank you for listening. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.